Our scripture reading, we turn to Joshua chapter 5. We read the end of chapter 5, where the captain of the host of the Lord gives instruction to Joshua, and then we go forward into chapter 6. We read this, keep in mind what is said in Hebrews 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the walls fell. We begin John, or Joshua, rather, chapter 5, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And Joshua did so. Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the Ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn passed on before the Lord. And blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets. And the rearward came before after the ark, and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, Until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew at the trumpets, And the armed men went before them, but the rearward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time, when the police blew with the trumpets, 
Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. So far we read from God's holy and inspired word this morning. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, God's people had been looking forward to the entering into the promised land for some time. We read earlier about them crossing into the Jordan. Now came the, the task. There were people that were living in the promised land and that they were to fight against them. And as they head, uh, as they have crossed the Jordan River and as they head west, they quickly come to Jericho and a city that is fortified. And now Joshua, Joshua is considering, he's thinking about uh, Joshua, we read at the end of chapter 5, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And as he's near Jericho, and one would, have, one would imagine that he was his have thoughts about what is going to take place next. He's been told that he's going to go forth and he's going to fight this battle, but how? How is he going to fight against the people that are hidden behind this wall of Jericho? Whatever his thoughts may have been, it was at this time that the Son of God appears to him and speaks to him and gives him instruction concerning what he is to do. And he's to believe the instruction that the Son of God gives to him. And then the Israelites are to follow this instruction and they are to fight 
believing God's promise, believing that the battle is entirely the Lord's. And this first battle in which they're engaged gives us instruction about the spiritual battle that we're engaged in. About faith. That on the one hand, we see in this story very clearly the idea that salvation is entirely the work of God. He is the one that gives his people the victory. That it's entirely his work. That clearly was set before them. That they would come in, that they would receive the land. It was a land that God had given them. That he said, I have given it to you. It was all of God. And also set forth in this history is that idea that's set forth in Hebrews 11. By faith the walls fell. So that we're to read this history and see on the one hand the truth that it's all of God and also that God works in his people faith. And in this history, we are to take note of the faith of the people of God and how it manifested itself. That they believed what God said. And they fought in what would certainly have seemed to be a very strange way of fighting. And they kept their mouths shut. And one would imagine that people would have said, why are, why are we fighting this way? One would imagine that there would have been those that thought maybe they had a better idea. Why would we do it this way? They kept their mouths shut. They followed the instruction that God gave to them. And certainly there's instruction for us here. We hear what God's word says, and there may be times where we find, well, we kind of wonder about what God's word says, and may, maybe have an idea that maybe there's a better way. We're not to trust our own ideas, our own feelings. We're to listen to what God says and to follow his instruction and to fight as those who are believing his word. And indeed, the Israelites had to fight. The walls fell down. And then the Israelites did have to go in and kill the people, kill the animals, burn the city. And they preserved Rahab and those with her. And so we see in this story the destruction of the ungodly and we also see the preservation of the saints. We consider this this event under the theme by faith the walls fell. We consider first of all the fall, secondly the faith, and thirdly the result. First, with regard to the fall, first thing I'll have you note is that the church executes God's judgment against the impenitent. The first thing to take note of here is that God is executing his judgment and works with through the church who executes God's judgment upon the impenitent. Clearly we see that this is the judgment of God. Joshua sees here somebody, you know, at some kind of a distance. He looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand, however far away he may have been. Uh, and Joshua says to him, art thou for us or for our adversaries? 
And he says, nay, he's not, he's not for their adversaries. He's not another Israelite. He is the captain. He's the captain of the host of the Lord. And he says, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And when Joshua hears that, he falls on his face and did worship and says, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And then he says, the Lord says to him, similar to what God said to Moses, Loose thy shoes from off, shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Certainly bringing back remembrance of what God had said to Moses years before. And now this God is talking to Joshua and giving him instruction. Before, God had spoken to Moses about bringing the people out of Egypt. Now God is speaking to Joshua as, his, as they begin this going in and defeating the Canaanites. Who's the leader? Who's the captain? Who is leading the people? It's the Son of God who's the leader. Who's our leader? Joshua was under him. So it is today. There are the certain one, the ones that are called to be ministers of the words, and we often refer to them as under-shepherds. Who is the shepherd? Who is leading us? It's the Son of God. It's Jesus Christ who is leading us and guiding us. And this captain has the sword drawn in his hand, bringing out that this is going to be an executing of God's judgment upon the impenitent. The Canaanites were ripe for judgment. And when we read this history, which is speaks of the death of men and women and children. It's important for us to remember in this story that what God speaks to us is the judgment that came upon the impenitent. And that they were ripe for judgment in the days of Abraham. Years before, God had said the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now they were what we sometimes refer to as ripe for judgment. And this very history points this out too. They're impenitent. They don't call out to God for mercy. And other passages of scripture in Deuteronomy 18, for example, speaks of things such as witchcraft and idol worship that were characteristic things that were going on in the, among the Canaanites. And God says, for those things, I, the judgment of God came upon them, the wickedness that was taking place. And notice that the church executes this judgment. It's God's judgment, and the church is to be the one executing it. They're the ones, God's people, and Israel was the church in this, the old dispensation, and Israel was to go in and was to fight this battle and was to execute the judgment, following the instruction that God gives. So also today, the church as a body, not individually, but as a body, the church is to execute the judgments of God. That's what church discipline is. Upon the impenitent and also to receive people back when they show signs of give evidence of repentance. So that's the first thing to take note of here in this history about church executing God's judgment against the impenitent. Secondly, we take note of here is that God assures us 
of the victory, that he has given us the victory, and he tells us how to fight. He assures us he's given us the victory, and he gives us instruction concerning how to fight. God said to Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. So as God talks to Joshua, he says, See, I have given, I have given. This is something that God had determined in his counsel. He was giving, he had given the city into the hand of his people. The people are assured of the victory. They were assured that God was with them as they would have the Ark of the Covenant that would go around directing the people to remember God's covenant. God has made his covenant with Israel. God is with them. That's the idea of the covenant, having fellowship with God. God was with them. He would lead them. He had given them the city and the king. The city was to be compassed about. We're familiar with the details. It was to be compassed about once for six days. And then seven times they were to go around this city seven times on the seventh day. So however large that city may have been, it was, it was possible to go around it in one day, to go around it seven times. And then before the ark, there were to be the seven priests lifting up seven trumpets of ram's horns. And uh, that horn called the shofar, the ram's horns, or a trumpet of jubilee, was to be, were to be blown. And the armed men were to go before the ark. So there were these armed men before the ark. There were these seven priests blowing this, these trumpets of ram's horns. These are different than the silver trumpets. In other places, we read of the blowing of the silver trumpets. But here, it was the blowing of the the jubilee horns or the trumpets of ram's horns, which gave a loud, far-sounding tone. They were to be blowing that trumpet. One could one hearing that, thinking of that sound and what that sound would have meant as you hear this sound of this trumpet. And there were seven of them going around and hearing that sound that on the one hand was a message to those that were inside Jericho of the coming judgment of God. That the people of God were surrounding the city and they can hear that sound. They're surrounding us. They can hear the sound as they move around. And for God's people, that sound of the trumpet, that that sound of the coming of, that God is coming, he's executing his judgment, he's with his people, and he executes a just judgment That sound was heard as they would go around. The armed men and the priests, the seven priests with the horns, the Ark of the Covenant, and then what's called the rearward, taking up the rear. Others followed in the rear. And then it was after seven times, after they had gone around, it was not until... The seventh day that they'd go around seventh time. For six days they'd go around once and then they'd come back and they'd stop. Didn't seem like much really happened. For six days they'd go around like that and they'd come back to the camp. 
Next day, they get up early, they go around the camp, they stop, and then it wasn't the seventh time that they give that loud, long blast, and then they shout, and the walls fall, literally fell under itself. And then the people went straight forward. God assured them he was going to give them the victory. He was telling them how to fight and assuring them, what about those walls? Well, those walls are going to fall. God had told them that the walls are going to fall down. He was telling them what they were going to do, and he was telling them those walls are going to fall down. They were to follow his instructions. Similarly today, God assures us that he is with us. You see how it's very similar to today in that in the battles of the faith and in the struggles that we go through as a church and churches, God assures us he's with us. And he directs us to keep remembering the covenant, just like the people with the Ark of the Covenant going around and they're going around with the ark in their midst. We're constantly to remember God's covenant that he's made with us and with our children, which is constantly set before our mind as we have children that are baptized, as we have children like this morning that make confession of their faith, and we talk about God's covenant, the unconditional covenant of grace with us and our, and our children. And he assures us he's with us. He assures us that Christ, what Christ has done, we hear the good news of the gospel, that Christ hath suffered in our place. He hath satisfied God's justice. He has risen victorious. He has overcome death. He reigns at the right hand of God. He executes the just judgment of God. We have nothing to fear. There's no obstacle that can stand in the way of God accomplishing his purpose. We're to fight following his direction. Looking to him for guidance. And he tells us we are to fight by faith. By faith. The faith of the people of God stands here in contrast to the unbelief of Jericho. Jericho had heard what happened. We read from what Rahab said, that the people of Jericho... They had heard what happened at the Exodus. They heard what happened with the defeat of the, of the Amorites. They now hear Israel going around. They don't repent. They don't turn to God. They continue on in their sin as if you can somehow hide behind walls against God? That there's some place you could hide against God? They continue to hide behind the walls. It was straightly shut up. None went out, none came in. We won't let anybody out or anybody in. We're shut behind these walls. They don't turn from their sin. We see their impenitence. We see their unbelief. In contrast, we see the faith of God's people. We enter the God's people would be brought into the promised land and would enjoy rest with God. Enjoy the blessings by faith. You recall that earlier Israel could not enter in. 
Why couldn't they enter in before? Because of their unbelief. That's what scripture says. They couldn't enter in before because of their unbelief. And when they, when we read of the response of those ten spies that brought an evil report, they made a reference to the walls. They said, you know, the, the land is certainly good, but we saw these huge men there. They have these cities with walls. And we're not going to be able to take it. Because of their unbelief. They did not enter in. But faith, one with faith, says, is anything too hard for the Lord? If he's with us, if he assures us he's with us, and he does, we have nothing to fear. We simply need to follow his instruction. Believe what he says. Follow his instruction. The victory is all of God and is received by faith. God would bring them into the rest. The number seven, the repetition of the number seven, directs us to consider the covenants, the Sabbath, the covenant, resting with God. God would bring his people into God's rest. And they would commune with him, fellowship with him. They would receive the victory. They would receive the promised blessings by faith. Now, there's some specifics, too, with regard to this history. Faith manifests itself. The faith of the believing Israelites, certainly it wasn't the case that all the Israelites were genuine believers. But the scriptures tell us the history from the viewpoint of the fact that God's people at this time believed God. There were those certainly that were believing what God had said. And true faith manifests itself to others in what we do. There we see the manifestation. As in James chapter 2, we as young, the Young People's Society has been going through the book of James, talking about how faith without works is dead. And that somebody shows his faith to others by what he, what he does. Good works proceed from faith. It's not possible that those are in, who are engrafted into Christ by a true faith would not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. Well, we look now at this history from the viewpoint of the faith of the Israelites and consider... They believed what God told them, and we see that in that they followed his instruction. They were given instructions to follow. It wasn't the case that they were going to just go to sleep and wake up, and all of a sudden the, the, came, the people of Jericho were all going to be dead, and the city was going to be burnt, and they were going to wake up, and it was done. It was going to be all of God. And God had given them instruction as to what they were to do. They were to believe what God said, believe his promise, and follow his instruction. They were to follow his instruction, and they were not to speak out against it, thinking that they somehow had a had a better way. They were to bridle the tongue. And that's also in the book of James. In fact, there's a long section that we've been talking about in the Young People's Society in the book of James about the bridling of the tongue. When it talks about faith manifesting itself in one's works, then there's this long section about the bridling of the tongue. How we use our tongue. And here, 
They were to march around, and they were not to speak. It's one thing to read that. But to recognize that they did that? You know, you can have a class, and you talk to the students in the class, and they're talking, and then you say, you know, you know don't be talking. This isn't the time to be talking. Don't talk now. And then you, sometimes you notice how short a period of time it may be before the talking starts again. Maybe quieter. They may quiet down a little bit, but they still start talking again. And then you say, now and again, now this, you're not to be talking. Don't be talking. And the people were told here, don't speak. You shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth. March around and no word out of your mouth as you go around. So they go around. There's the blowing of the trumpet. They were to hear that sound of the trumpet. And now God had instructed them that there was to be this blowing, this horn sound that was to direct them to think about the coming of coming of how God was executing his judgment. We hear, we think of the trumpet sound when Christ comes. They were to hear that sound of the trumpet. They were to keep their mouths shut. They were to follow the instructions. And they'd go around and then they'd stop. They're back at the camp. Nothing happened. I mean, what was the purpose of that? One, you know, if somebody could have said something like that, you wonder if anybody came into anybody's thought, you know, why are we doing this? We just marched around. We just spent all this time going around. What difference does it make if we speak? What, why, as long as you speak, maybe quiet, what difference does that make? But we're not to come up with our own ideas. And ask whether we it makes sense to me. And I'll do it as long as it makes sense to me. We're to look at it and say, if this is what God says, then we believe in our God, we believe his promise, we follow his instruction. For six days. Then you get to the seventh day. And you think, hey, the seventh day, we're going to go around seven times. You could imagine somebody thinking, and we know how long it took to go around, march around this thing once. We're going to march around it seven times, and then we're going to go forward after going around seven times. They were to be quiet and not speak. <coughs> but to follow the instruction that God had given them. Remain quiet. Believing God, be silent until the time that God tells them to shout. And then they were to shout. Then they were to shout out. And then the walls would fall and they were to go straight forward. Their zeal was to be regulated. Sometimes people in their zeal think that because they're zealous for the truth and they're concerned about the truth, that therefore they can deviate from what God says. We can't deviate from what God says and say, but I'm interested in the truth. We're to have our zeals to be regulated. And in whatever we do, we're to be able to go to the word and say we are following instruction that God has given to us. And certainly centrally, what God has called the church to do is something that the world would consider to be foolish. 
preach the gospel of Christ. Preach that gospel distinctively. Go forth and preach that gospel, and God will use that for the gathering of his people. Preach it over against the heirs that are being commonly taught. Preach that word. Well, many will speak against that and say, How, what kind of a difference is that going to make? And people will mock and say, what difference are you making in society that we need to be out there trying to improve society? What is going to be accomplished by the preaching of this word? This, the preaching of these doctrines just leads to division and fighting and anger. But God tells us we're to preach his word and we're not to change it. We're not to try to come up with other ideas of what we should have in our worship services. The preaching doesn't work. It doesn't, it's not effective. We've got to try other means of trying to gather people, coming up with our own ideas. We're to follow the instruction that God has given to us. And God will use the preaching of the word to accomplish his purpose. And God casts down he casts down imaginations, strongholds. The weapons we use are mighty. Certainly this passage in Joshua directs us to passage in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 10 about the pulling down of strongholds, this history about the falling of the walls. We remember that passage in 2 Corinthians 10 about God pulling down strongholds. And in that passage, it says the weapons of our warfare, we don't fight with carnal weapons. We fight in a spiritual battle against spiritual foes, and our weapons are mighty. The weapons of our warfare, it says in verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing, every, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God pulls down strongholds or fortresses. See how this, this history, this falling of the walls, and we go to the New Testament and we see a, a passage that explains this idea that we preach the gospel... We have mighty weapons. God brings down the strongholds. He casts down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. We preach that good news and we speak against the wrong reasonings and thinking of those of this world. And God uses that To accomplish his purpose. And now we turn to that. Well, what was? What was the result of this? What was God's purpose and what was going to happen here? On the one hand, the ungodly city was accursed. It was devoted to be destroyed. All the men, the women, the children, even the animals, and there's another thing. Somebody might have stopped and said, we got to kill these. Well, we could use these animals. Well, you got to kill them. Well, we could use them. We have to kill them. 
God said so. So they did. And they burnt the city. The silver and the gold, the brass and the iron, that was all brought into the treasury of the house of God. And God said, Cursed is anyone that would refortify Jericho. They later could live there. We read of it being a city that was in the tribe of Benjamin. It wasn't that they couldn't live there. They couldn't fortify it. Make it into a fort again. A fortified city. But in the days of Ahab, somebody did. Healed the Bethelite, did. You can read of that in 1 Kings 16. The judgment of God that came upon him when he did. Precisely what God said was going to happen here. The first fruits were, you know, to God. And here as they get to this city, there are other times when they were allowed to keep the animals. But in this one... In this victory, they were to destroy, destroy it all. And Israel had to fight and, and do that. I think that's a part of the history that might be easy to overlook, is that people went to bed that night, and they had done this. They executed the judgment of God. And they would have known that this is what God told us to do. And we did it. But also, that directs us to think of what's going to happen at the last trump. For a time, the world hears this warning. Doesn't seem like anything's happening. Warning! It's like this going around with that ram's horn blowing. Warning! For a time, we're preaching the gospel. Church speaks about the judgment to come. Seems like nothing happened. Another, another week goes by, and it seems like nothing's happening. We blow the trumpet. We blow the trumpet of the word of God. Seems like nothing happened. And then, of course, suddenly it'll happen. It'll be the last day. And the judgment that will take place on that last day. But also positive, from a positive, from the point of view of God's people, this story is about how Rahab and those with her were brought out of this. This was a very wicked city. And God brought Rahab and those with her out of that. And they would, be, they would be with the people of God. Just as God had, just as the, those, the spies had said, so they were preserved. Brings out that idea of being delivered through judgment. The elect people were preserved, separated from the ungodly. And of course, when we read of the, G, of the line that come, goes down to Jesus, we see in that line, that genealogy line that goes down to Jesus, we see in that line, Rahab. God preserves his people. We see the judgment on the ungodly and the preservation of the church. And God honors those Who, fought, who honor him. And the very last verse says, The Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. That the Lord was with him. Christ is honored. Christ is glorified. And God's people were encouraged 
as they had this victory, they were encouraged, knowing that going forward, the Lord would be with them. We sang in Psalter 121, which is a versification of Psalm 44. They gained not the land by the edge of the sword. Their own arm to them could no safety afford. But thy right hand saved, and the light of thy face, because of thy favor and wonderful grace, all of God. And then we talk, sing about trusting. No trust will I place in my strength to defend, nor yet on my sword as a safeguard depend. In thee who has saved us and put them to shame, we boast all the day, ever praising thy name. May we walk by faith, and may we glorify the name of our Redeemer. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father, we are thankful, O Lord, for thy grace. We are thankful for the comfort that we have in thy Son. Lord, strengthen us to fight the good fight of faith, trusting in thee and looking to thee for all that we need. We are thankful that we know thou art with us and that thou wilt lead us. Forgive all our sins, O Lord, and strengthen us in this battle as we look forward to the day of the return of our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen.